following message is from Narrative Church, a Lutheran church located in Williamson County, Texas. For more information, go to www.narrative.church. Uh, Pastor Mark Unsaker Ford. For those of you who have met Mark, um, he is church planting in the area through the Harvest Partnership, which is our church planting network. Now, the way narrative started is we started out, we got a core group together. Faith Lutheran Church up in Georgetown was our sending church, and they let us bring some folks together. And then we started a church, and we started doing Sunday morning worship and all these kinds of things. But Mark's going to be doing things a little bit differently We're not going to get too deep into that right now, but I'm going to use it as a little bit of a teaser, which is late January, early February, we're going to have some time where Mark's going to share for you what church planting is going to look like for him. So be looking out in the future for that time where we'll get to sit down and hear the vision of what's coming with that. But with that, Mark, if you can sermonize us this morning. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Guys, to get started this morning, uh, let's open with a word of prayer to um, invite the Lord to guide us, especially since the new guy's preaching, and that's always very dangerous. So let's ask the Lord to guide us. Father, we love you and we thank you so much. Thank you so much for our time of worship, the pouring out of your grace and mercy through uh, the body and blood of Christ. And now we pray that you would do the same through your word as we ask you to give us your grace and mercy that we can now hear and ponder and, and, and experience in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So it was fun, Pastor Teddy, he says, so we're gonna, we would like you to preach sometime, and we're, we're going to get it close to Christmas, and, and we're doing like these characters of Christmas as we go from the cross to the cradle, to the manger, you might say. And, and so in that process, you know, we're going to do, you know, I'll take the shepherds and stuff, and you take Caesar. And, and I was like, I pulled out my nativity set, and I'm like, Jesus, Mary, Joseph, shepherds, wise men. I don't see Caesar in the nativity set. Where in the world is Caesar? What's this all about? You take Caesar. And so I kind of panicked a little bit, and then, as usual, started diving into God's Word, and sure enough, there he is. He's part of the story that Dr. Luke, the author of the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, as the Holy Spirit carried him to write, he had something to say about Caesar. And then showing the genius of Pastor Ted, Caesar pops up throughout the New Testament and is a very important character that actually, once I dove in, I'm like, oh my goodness, you guys are going to be excited to learn what I have learned. So without saying any more, we're going to dive right into Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Let's take a look at it. And when when I started looking at this, I was kind of blown away. And I was just like, everyone needs to see this. It says in Luke chapter 2, verse 1, we've all heard this so many times because it's the first line of that, you know, you get that James Earl Jones kind of narrator voice when you go to those passion plays or whatever, and it'll say, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Now, I'm, we, Debbie and I moved here from Branson, Missouri. So in Branson, if you've ever been there, there's a bunch of these kind of passion plays. You go to Silver Dollar City, you go to the various theaters, they're gonna, you're going to hear this kind of thing read. And what I had never learned is just who was this Caesar Augustus guy? That never came up in my, came up in my journey. And, and as I found out, his name was Gaius Octavian, which is like, what a perfect name. Like, that's the name of like a supervillain or something, right? That's what that is. And, and Gaius Octavian, he, he, he becomes Caesar, which is the emperor of Rome, after his uncle, great uncle, um, Caesar, Julius Caesar, is murdered, right? Assassinated. 
And he's kind of a young guy, and so he starts off as Caesar Gaius Octavian, and sometimes you'll hear it Octavius because they were making it extravagant with the Latin words. Anyway, so eventually he decides that it's important that everyone knows just who he is. He's not just Gaius Octavian. He's Augustus. And Augustus in the Latin language means one who has majesty. So it's very noteworthy for you and for me as we think about the Christmas story and this idea of Luke, who, you know, he's a doctor, he's very focused on the facts, and he wants to ground the story of Jesus in historical events. He wants us to know that Jesus wasn't just born any time or any place. He was born in a very specific time, in a very specific place, at the time when Caesar Augustus had declared in all of his majesty that everyone would be registered. Now, part of the reason Caesar wanted to be known as Augustus is because he wanted everyone to know that he was in control, that he was in charge, and that he was in charge because of, quote, divine right. In other words, he believed that he was God. Or as, you know, maybe not, he didn't think of it the way you and I would think of as God. He thought himself a God, or maybe the most important God on the earth at that time. And it's noteworthy that Dr. Luke says, yeah, whenever he said for that to happen, some other things happened. Take a look at Luke chapter 2, verse 4. So Joseph went up from Galilee and from the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, the house of bread, because he was of the house and the lineage of David. And there's a little note on there in the parentheses to remember 2 Samuel chapter 7. And for the Bible scholars in the room, they remember that that's this place that God had told David, I'm going to make your name great. So for the, so for the keen reader of Dr. Luke's writing here, they, they would immediately remember this business about David right after we've introduced Caesar Augustus as, wait, which name is great? Because in some ways, if you were sitting there reading this during the first century, now probably by the time Luke got this, you know, published to his blogs and sent out on YouTube at the time, then that, that would, there would have been time for other Caesars to be in place. But the point is, it's still this. So God had said David's name would be great. God had said that David's kingdom, whenever his descendant would come, would be a forever kingdom. And if you're sitting there reading that like, uh, but uh, we still have Caesars. Maybe Augustus had, had moved on, but we still have Roman occupiers. We still have trouble in politics. We have trouble with our economy. We have sickness. We have disease. What now? I thought this was going to be the forever kingdom. God had said that the descendant of David would establish a kingdom that would have no end. It would be forever. Take a look at Luke chapter 10, verses 10 and 11. Because try not to go too far back to the shepherds, but remember what the angel said to the shepherds. We heard a little bit about this recently, where it said, And the angel said to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, in any time you're reading the Bible and you encounter the word behold. And I know we've all seen that word in there. It's not a word that we use often, except every once in a while my wife will come home and I will like, Behold, the, the floors are clean. And she'll be like... Only pastor freaks say that, so I'm sorry. But anyway, so, so behold, it's the angel saying, pull up your britches and lean in because this is important. I bring you good news. 
This is the gospel. This is the good news of great, anybody notice what that next word is? Joy, great joy that will be for how many people? All the people. For unto you on, is born on which day? This day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So first of all, if it's not an angel saying this, it kind of doesn't hit the same because when angels show up and talk, people are kind of like, whoa, yeah, let's listen. And now, but what they're saying is there's good news. They're saying that forever kingdom starts today. And of course, that day being Christmas day, the day the baby is born. And he says it's for everybody, which if you're kind of a first century Jewish shepherd like these fellows were, that's a little radical. That's like, wait, for everybody? Because now at first you're thinking, oh, everybody, like, you know, for us and for our neighbors that we like. Don't know about the neighbors we don't like, but it's maybe for them, but certainly not for Caesar. Would it be even for Caesar? That's no way. He says, for all people. And it's for unto you. So it's not just for everybody, it's also for y'all, those who are hearing this, is born on this day. This moment in history that Dr. Luke is wanting us to understand it happened at a particular time, at a particular place, and it's for you. And what is it? It's a savior. It's he is a savior. And who is he? Now, what's interesting is, is remember the Bible, the Old Testament written mostly in Hebrew, a little bit of Aramaic, and then the New Testament written in Greek. We'll talk more about that in a minute. And then it comes to us through, kind of goes through German and English, Old English, and then eventually to, to um, modern English. And then now I'm learning Texas English. That's a kind of another variant. And so, so all of this stuff, it kind of gets to us. And we hear Christ the Lord. And you and I kind of hear Christ the Lord as, I mean, in some places that's just cuss words. But in, in other places, that's just kind of titles and words, the kind of religious language. But I want you to hear it the way the shepherds would have heard it. Because they're hearing it in a language that, that is in a particular time, in a particular place. And it means that God himself is coming to save them. They hear Mashiach Yahweh. That's what they heard. And that is God himself is the Savior. God himself is the Anointed One. And that this child is going to be the Son of God. Which, of course, they learn firsthand soon afterwards. And this is so important because I want you to know that that's when the forever kingdom started. That's when the forever began. And you and I live in a time, a very particular time, very particular place after that, experiencing everything the Lord is going to do. So therefore, we're going to go and take a look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 21 and 22, because we want to see just how far forever goes. This idea could truly be the Savior for everyone. Now we're hearing from the Apostle Paul, a traveling companion of Dr. Luke. You can learn all about this in Acts chapter 13 all the way to the end of the book. And they were were traveling together. And so now the Apostle Paul is in prison. And he's in prison in Rome. And he is very near a particular Caesar, not Caesar Augustus. Now there's a new Caesar in town. This is some 40, 50 years later, 40 years, eh, 60 years later. Let's do the math. I'm very bad at it. But it's about 60 years later, and now the Caesar is a fellow by the name of Nero. I don't know if you've ever heard of Caesar Nero. So he makes Caesar Augustus look like a really nice fella, and Caesar Augustus wasn't that nice. Caesar Nero 
just to give you a little hint about Caesar Nero. If you've ever read the book of Revelation and you came across that place where it says the number of the beast is 666, if you add those letters up in Greek and Hebrew, they come out to Caesar Nero. And we kind of know that that's what that's pointing to because there's some variance in the manuscript. And sometimes it's not 666, sometimes it's 613 because the scribes in local places wanted to make sure they understood it was Caesar Nero. And so they would adapt it to their local vernaculars, their local changes in the language so that people would add the numbers up and still get Caesar Nero. So not a great fellow. And part of the reason that made him not a great fella is that one of his, his things that he would do is that when, when Christians would do their thing and he would round them up, he would throw them to the lions. You've heard of that story. He would also do even worse things, like, for example, lighting his garden by tying them to ropes and covering them with tar and pitch and setting them on fire. So that's just where we're at with Caesar Nero. These words from the Apostle Paul, as the Holy Spirit is inviting him to write and carrying him to do so, he says, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of whose household? Caesar's household. The forever kingdom goes everywhere. It reaches everywhere, into every nook and cranny. And in, and in just 60 years, this has gone from a few shepherds on a dark hillside and a little backwaters town, the house of bread, but the city of David, no less. And now this kingdom has spread all the way to the center of the world, at least by the world standards, into the very household of the man who was still claiming to be God. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Now, saints is another word we have to talk a little bit about. This means Holy ones, right? It's the biblical word for holy ones. Now, holy is another biblical word, right? People, are you holier than thou? You know, that's kind of how we might use the language, but holy means set apart, different, distinct. The Lord's people, even in Caesar's household. And so these weren't probably, you know, if you, if you check with the scholars, they don't think that these were like kids of Nero because we don't see any historical evidence of that. But we do see historical evidence that these were probably people who worked in his house. Servants, slaves, and various other people who worked in positions. Maybe we know of a few centurions and other Roman legions that were, were, were brought into the kingdom. And so here we have this idea that, that the forever kingdom is now in Caesar's household even the people who are working and serving him, even the one whose number is likely to be known as 666. And all of that is part of what's going on with, and, and this, this, this helped me out because it, it occurred to me when I was looking at my nativity sets, right? You know, so I never would find Caesar in any of the nativity sets. I even went online and started looking at other nativity sets. Maybe he popped up in some of those. And I found this Star Wars Legos nativity set. I don't know if you've ever seen one of those. They're really good. And so you got Luke and Leia and everything. And they, I think that was maybe before they knew they were brother and sister. But that's another story. And so, and so anyway, they got Baby Yoda, whatever. And then, and then, and then there's, there's no... Darth Sidious, there's no emperor, right? He would have been like Caesar. And imagine in, 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 the, in the emperor's court that there would be people who believe forever truly goes everywhere. Take a look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 12. Okay, so just backing this up a little bit. I know the apostle Paul says how to be brought low because he's in prison as he writes these words. 
and I know how to abound. And in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing both plenty and hunger, abundance and need. My question to you is, what does forever look like? Because if you've noticed, and I know that you have, God's kingdom doesn't always manifest itself in terms of the majesty that we would appreciate. I mean, I would appreciate, you know, go get those big lights turned on. Everybody comes in and high fives you and there's ticker tape. You know, it's, no, no, you, you and I both know it's this quiet place. It's this place where we have hope in the midst of and maybe even especially when we're in trouble. And I don't know if you ever feel like you're in trouble in the middle of Christmas. And so some wise guy up here who's cracking jokes from Missouri says forever goes everywhere. And you're like, really, everywhere? Because right now I may not be feeling like the forever kingdom is present in my life. And this is what I want you to understand is in the middle of Paul writing this, as the Holy Spirit was carrying him to do so, he is in the lowest of low places. He's not writing this from some mountaintop. He's not writing this from some place of prosperity. One of, my, one of my seminary professors once gave me this great thing of wisdom. People love the prosperity gospel because it produces prosper, preaches prosperity. And I'm like, well, that's great. We should write that down. But in reality, our experience, even when things go our way, is we know it's temporary. It's not forever. We need something that we can, that we can experience that's forever, truly forever. And the Apostle Paul is trying to give us something here in the middle of and from the place of Caesar's household where he is in chains for the gospel. And he's giving it to you and to me in the middle of this. What does forever look like? It, it looks like some guy who can be in prison and going, I get it. I know what this is all about. I know how this works. Take a look at Philippians 4 verse 13. Now you got to watch out. Because in parentheses where it says the scripture, it's going to say MLV. Now, I need to tell you the story of when I met Pastor Ted. He and I were both rolling into Concordia Seminary, first-year seminary students, and I sit down, and there's this guy next to me. turns out it's, it's, it's Ted Daring. And so there's this guy next to me, and we're both looking at each other. What in the world are we doing? We're in Greek class, right? Now, I don't know if you know how seminary is set up, but it's lined up. Basically, it begins with 10 weeks of torture. That's called Greek class. And then you move on to other myriad of very difficult things. But that 10 week of torture is designed to forge you into somebody who can just withstand very difficult things. And so Ted and I sat next to each other during that torture. We're forever brothers as a result. We were there, right? And so why? One of the questions we would ask each other every day, because there was a quiz every day, and you're like, Professor Lewis, can we just not do a quiz today? And he'd be like, yeah, we're doing a quiz. Five minutes, get ready. And so even though we'd beg him for no more quizzes, we're going through this. Why do we go through this? Well, part of it is they want you to not fall into false doctrine by saying, well, you know, that word could mean whatever I want it to mean. But the other thing they want you to do is they want you to peek under the hood a little bit and see what's going on in God's word. Because sometimes there's just something special that we can all be blessed by. And this is one of those times. And you guys have probably seen this passage before, Philippians 4.13. In fact, you might have a coffee mug with it on it or you know, a picture in your house or some sort of painting with it on it. And it always is, you know, um, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me is the typical English translation. But I wanted you to see where it starts under the hood. He says, I am, and then there's this Greek word, ichthuo, eskuo, excuse me. Yeah, it's, hard to, yeah, it's all Greek to me. Eskuo. And, and so eskuo is this word that, that means 
I've got strength, just like it says in our English Bibles. I've got strength, but it actually goes further. It's like, I have might. See, do you ever, do you ever wake up and feel like, I have might? You know, I always love the quote from one of the Avengers movies where Thor's walking around like, that won't be a problem for me because I am mighty. And it's just like, nobody talks like that, Thor. And maybe you and I, in Christ, should. He says, I am mighty. Now, if we did that, people would be like, yeah, that's called narcissism or something. No, this is saying, I have the forever kingdom. I'm not part of the kingdom of Caesar. I'm part of the kingdom of God. And there's something going on inside of me because of this Mashiach Yahweh, because of this Savior that was born for you and for me. He gave us something. We ate it and we drank it this morning. He gave us what we need to keep on going when we can't keep on going, when we feel like it's not working. And as someone who just moved from far away to a new place and, and missing our kids and doing all these things, may I just tell you, I'm experiencing that aplenty. And so sometimes when you feel like it's not working, and you read God's word, and he says, you can do all things because you are mighty. You have the might of the Messiah in your body. He says, I can do, I can enable in everything because he, and this is one of the things I hated on those Greek quizzes. Have you ever had a Greek, Ted remembers the Greek quizzes? Participle, participle. It means we called it page 60, whoop-de-doo. And it means you gotta, you gotta, you gotta translate what's happening in the verb and keep it going. It keeps on giving you and me, power. Now, some of us grew up Lutheran, so we get nervous when we talk about power. We're like, wait, you're not like, going to do Pentecostal stuff, are you? No, I'm just reading the Bible. And it says that God keeps on making us mighty by giving us power. And so that when we feel like kingdom of forever is over, and we feel like it's not working, and we have those moments in our lives where we're ready to give up, he isn't giving up. He is giving us power, and he keeps on doing it no matter what our circumstances are, no matter whether we have a lot or we have nothing, no matter we're feeling like we're on the mountain or in the deepest, darkest valley. Christ Jesus is there because he is the Savior. He is the descendant of David, and he is bringing about the restoration of all things, and he's doing it in you and me day after day. Take a look at Philippians Verse 4, excuse me, chapter 4, verse 6. But see, what's interesting is he knows, he knows that we don't always have this feeling. And so when forever feels like never, this is what Paul says to you and to me. The Lord, that is that dude who was born and laid in a manger, is here. He's at hand. Do not be anxious. And I'm like, well, easy for you to say. And yet the Bible keeps talking to you and to me. The word of God keeps flowing. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, he gives us the, he gives us the action plan. He gives us the step of power, the way to use the strength that he's giving to you and to me is he says to buy prayer and supplication. Now I got to time out, pull the car over. Supplication. Nobody talks like that, Paul, right? Or, or translators of the ESV. What is supplication? Okay, it's this really interesting word because what it means is it, have you ever, do anybody here ever like ask for stuff for Christmas? Yeah, right? And we ask, that's supplication, right? Oh, would you mind, would you give me this thing? I, I kind of want that Star Wars nativity set, by the way. Um, so you ask for stuff for Christmas, right? And so what happens is you, it's, this is what it means. He's saying, cry out 
to the all-powerful true king, the king of kings, the prince of peace, the wonderful counselor who it was upon his shoulders the government will rest. Not Caesar, not some dude calling himself Augustus or another dude calling himself Nero or any of the others. And he says, go to the Lord with thanksgiving, just like we did a few minutes ago, and let your requests be made known to God. And there's that famous, famous passage that if you grew up kind of going to church a lot, you may have heard the pastor conclude his sermon with these words, and I trailed them off because I'm hoping that, that that psychological closure will kick in right here. And the peace of God, and if you know this, say it with me, which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Turns out Caesar is in the nativity set. He is that dude who's saying, ah, you guys don't need any of this stuff in the nativity set. Meanwhile, the baby's there. This Messiah, this Savior, born at a particular time in a particular place to give you and me the strength that Caesar, to my knowledge, never had until many years later, until maybe in the 300s when a guy by the name of Constantine said, hey, I think everybody should follow Christ. And now in our time, in our, in our particular time, in our particular place, he's with you and with me, giving us that peace so that we can face no matter whether things feel temporary. And while he promises they will feel, for, they are forever. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you and we ask that you would root these truths in us to give us that might that we so often feel like is missing and give us the ability to go forward when our circumstances don't look anything like the kingdom of forever and we feel like only Caesars are ruling the day. Remind us that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the Prince of peace and you are the wonderful counselor and that's why we pray in the mighty name of Jesus, who lives and reigns with you, Father, and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.